Let me stick this in my pocket here. Uh, so my name's Eric. It's nice to meet all of you. If I haven't met you yet, um, please come say hi to me later. Uh, just a little bit about myself before we get started here. I graduated in uh, 2015. I have a master's degree in biomedical engineering. <clears throat> biomedical engineering. Um, I joined Challenge when I was a sophomore here at USC. Um, wasn't a Christian at the time, but as I was a part of Challenge, really started to see uh, how the people in Challenge really took God seriously and how he was really a big part of their lives, how he really mattered and how he influenced them. And so at FDC that year, I became a Christian. Um, so if you're thinking about FDC, kind of on a fence about it, I really encourage you to go um, no matter where you are in your faith. Uh, it's going to be a really fun time, a really exciting time, and you're going to learn a lot. Um, so I stuck with Challenge, and then when Neil asked me to join staff after uh, grad school, I said, yeah, and I've been here ever since. Um, now, I don't just work for Challenge. I do have a full-time job. Uh, I work in Santa Monica. I work uh, for a biotech company. We do things with ultrasound. Uh, my role is a product lead. Essentially, what I do is I have a product line that I'm in charge of. I manage. Uh, I execute. Uh, if it does not sell, I'll be a failure. Um, but if it sells well, I'll do really well. So. Uh, Afterwards, please go onto our website and buy it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you know, as I've worked, I've worked now for about three and a half years, I've really had to learn what it means to be a good employee. And that, that's tonight's topic, um, how to be a good employee. What does a good employee do? Now, this is something that I didn't start learning after college. I really started learning that while I was in college and I had a student job. Now, my student job, I worked for the Shoah Foundation. Yeah, Jack works there now, Jonathan. <laughs> Um, a lot of people in Challenge in the past have actually worked there. Uh, my job, the Show Foundation, for those who don't know, is a foundation here at USC that um, has an archive of a bunch of different testimonies from people who survived different genocides. Um, so it's very interesting work, very important work. Um, it's a great organization. My role is some of these testimonies are on these tapes that are really old. And so they have different uh, visual artifacts on there that lower the quality of the tape. So maybe static comes up. Uh, a very common one is called chroma strobing. It's little flashes of color show up on the screen. And obviously, you don't want that for your testimony while you're watching it. So one of my jobs is we have software that would sort the individual frames of these testimonies into you know, good frames and bad frames. But the software isn't perfect, just like no software is perfect. So my job was to click one by one through thousands and thousands of frames, and then, oh, green dot, delete. Click, 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 click. Oh, green dot, delete. Um, it was very interesting for about the first week. <laughs> and then I realized, oh no, I have a whole year of this to go. Um, and you know, I started asking a question that I think inevitably comes up in any job we have, no matter what it is, no matter when we're working, we start to ask this question. Does this really matter? I mean, does it really matter if I just miss a couple frames? I mean, no one would have known. Again, they're little tiny frames in a big video. No, no one would have seen. Uh, does it really matter? And I'm sure you've asked that question yourself. You know, maybe you have a student job that has nothing to do with what you want to do after college. Does it really matter? I mean, you're not going to get a recommendation out of it. It's not going to go on your resume. Does it really matter? Maybe your job right now is just to be a student. Does waking up for that 8 a.m. lecture really matter? Some nervous laughter there. <laughs> you know, even in a perfect internship, a perfect job, a time is going to come up. When you ask, does it really matter to do things the right way? Or can I just cut a corner, slack off a little bit? No one will know, it's fine. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would all say the same thing. You know, sometimes it doesn't matter to us. Sometimes no one will catch it. 
and, and nothing really will happen. Well, the truth is, it, being an employee, a good employee, is more than just about ourselves. There's someone else in the equation, and that's God. And what you find as you look through scripture, to God, it really does matter how you go about your work. And we, we see that in Colossians 3, 23 to 24. It could be on the screen there. And it says, whatever you do, whatever you do, are you a student, student job, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You see, it does matter. Every time I deleted that silly little green dot that I was so tempted to skip, I was actually serving the Lord Christ. You know, every time that you wake up to 8 a.m. lecture and not only stay awake but take really good notes, you're serving the Lord Christ according to the scripture. You know, in anything that you do, show up to work on time, do it well, in doing that, you are serving the Lord Christ. And that kind of changes the way you look at some stuff, doesn't it? You see, a good employee really understands that any task at work that you could do, big or small, fun or boring, it really matters how you do that because you are serving Christ by doing that. So when you're at work as a student, in a job, as a volunteer, any situation when you're working on a task, what questions should you ask instead of, does this really matter? Well, I think there are two that we need to ask at all times, and they're going to be up there on the screen. What needs to be done? How can I do it well? What needs to be done? How can I do it well? You see, if we really believe that all tasks matter to God, there's always something to do at work. So what needs to be done? And if we really want to work heartily in a way that really serves Christ, how can we do it well? You see, the best employees ask this question because they know that it's vital to being a good employee because that's how we really serve Christ in our work. And if you do that, you know, God is really going to start building some things into your life, things that if you don't ask these questions, you're really going to miss. And so tonight we're going to look um, more at the story of David. Aaron talked about David last week. We're going to take a look at some of the other elements of his story and see how this is really true. Um, so the story of David really starts in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we see at this time uh, in Israel's history, there's a king named Saul. Now, Saul's not a great king. He doesn't really have any character. Um, he's a great warrior, but um, he's just not doing a good job. So God wants to start raising up a new king. And so he sends his prophet Samuel to uh, the household of Jesse. And Jesse has all these sons. And God tells Samuel, I will choose from your sons the person who I want to be the future king of Israel. And so they line up all the sons. And Samuel starts going down the line, God, is this the man? God, is this the man? God, is this the man? And to all of them, God says, no. Passes up the oldest, the greatest warriors, passes them all up. And so Samuel asks Jesse, do you have any other sons? Obvious question. One of them has to be the king. And so Jesse says, yeah, David. He's the youngest, and he's out in the fields right now watching the sheep. So they bring in David, and sure enough, God says, this is the man who's going to be the future king of Israel. Now, could you just imagine for a minute what that would be like to be David at this moment? You're a kid, and you've just been told that you're going to run a whole country one day. This would be like if you're in kindergarten learning the ABCs, and someone pulls you out and says, by the way, you're going to be president soon. <laughs> now, go back, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, you know, I, it's a huge weight at a really small age. You know, what would you do? How would you go into work the next day? Now, David's a shepherd. Can you imagine how mundane that would be? I mean, you can't really talk politics, 
politics with the sheep, they don't really talk. Um, you know, you're supposed to lead people one day, be a king, and here you are with the sheep. Really kind of seems like a waste of time uh, if you think about it, and I'm sure he was really tempted to say, does this matter anymore? Um, but David doesn't do that. David actually is a really good shepherd. And you see back in those times, uh, wild animals would come to try to eat the sheep and David would fight them off and David really loved and protected his sheep. And if we were to log on to David's LinkedIn page, <laughs> we would see David, future king of Israel, shepherd, present. Doesn't really seem like something that a future king would be doing, but that's what David does. He asks what needs to be done and he, he does it really well. And you see, it does matter. God starts to build some things into David, things that if he wasn't doing a good job as a shepherd, he would have missed. And that becomes really important in the next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is the chapter, the story of David and Goliath, very famous story in the Bible. Uh, Israel is at war with the Philistines, and the Philistines have elected a champion named Goliath to fight for them. Goliath is this huge man of great stature, the great description in the Bible of his weapons and his strength. And no one on the Israel side wants to fight him. For obvious reasons, he's huge. He's a giant, an awesome warrior. And no one wants to fight him. David is at home watching the sheep. And his father comes in and says, some of your brothers are out in the field, uh, the battlefield. Can you bring some food to them? So David quickly logs onto his LinkedIn page and puts delivery boy. And he takes the food to the battlefield. And he sees this situation before him. And he's like, what is going on? Why is no one confronting uh, Goliath, this man who is, who is calling out the armies of Israel, and as a result, really calling out God. And see, David asks, what needs to be done? Well, this man needs to be fought. And so he says, well, I'll do it. And of course, the obvious question is, well, you're still a kid. You know, how, can, how can you do this if our best men, our strongest fighters, are just totally afraid? And look what David says to Saul when he is asked this question in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 37. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You see, while David was out there doing something that we think, ah, it didn't really matter, it mattered a lot. <coughs> David learned how to fight, how to be courageous, how to trust in the Lord for his strength, not relying on himself. And that really came in handy when he fought Goliath, because we know the ending of the story, David kills Goliath. And so now David adds something a little more impressive to his resume, giant killer. Now, that's something you would think would show up on a resume of a future king. Um, but David really would have missed that if he had not been asking the right question. What needs to be done? How can I do it well? How can I honor God with this? You know, are you asking the right questions at your work? Are you maybe missing something that God has for you right now? Well, David goes on from this, and he rises up. He becomes a commander in the army. He has all these victories. And again, we're seeing the, the career trends start to trend up. Army commander, giant slayer, going, going up. Uh, but then there's a problem, because as we learned last week from Aaron's story, uh, Saul doesn't like this, and Saul starts to try to kill David. 
And so David is forced to go on the run. So we go from successful army commander to fugitive. Again, not something that you would think would be on the resume of a king. Now, how frustrated would you be if this happened? I mean, you know that God has you to be a king one day. God has told you. And suddenly, it seems like things are starting to happen. You're learning how to lead people. You're learning how to fight your commanding armies. You're being successful at it. And now, what needs to be done? I just need to run for my life and survive. I would be extremely discouraged. I don't know about you. That doesn't seem to make sense. But David does go on the run, and he does it in such a way that a lot of people start flocking to him because uh, he's, he's becoming a man of great character. And you see, David realizes something that so often we don't. And God will bring up situations for you in your job, wherever you are, where you're going to have the opportunity to choose. You know, can I do what needs to be done and do it the right way and really start building my character? No matter what the job is, I'm just trying to serve the Lord. Or are you just going to brush it off? doesn't matter. No one's going to know. This really isn't going to impact me later. See, when we brush things off, we miss what God has for us. It matters. But when we choose the right way, when we do what God has for us and we do it really well, as best as we can, God starts to build character in us. He starts to build skills and he starts to give us bigger and bigger tasks because we are proving faithful. And so he does that in the life of David. And David comes to a giant test. In my opinion, even bigger than Goliath. You see, as David is on the run and he's hiding in these caves, just trying to stay alive, Saul has to go to the bathroom. And where else would you go to the bathroom but in a cave? The very cave where David and his men are hiding in the back. And so Saul is literally exposed, totally open to attack. And David has an option. He can kill him and become king right then and there. Does it really matter how David becomes king? Does it matter if he just stabs Saul in the back, rises up right then and there? You know, I'm sure David could have rehearsed some things in his mind. Well, I deserve to be king. God said I would. Saul's been trying to kill me. It doesn't matter if I kill him. I, I need to do this. And have you ever started doing that? You rehearse things in your head. Well, I deserve this. It's a hard class. It doesn't matter if I skip it a little. Ah, I came in early yesterday. It's fine if I slack off a little today. You see, we start to rehearse these things. And we start to think it doesn't matter. But it really did matter, because think of the consequences if David had decided just to kill Saul right there. What would have happened? I mean, we add to the resume murderer. All the reputation, all the goodwill that David has been building up this whole time, gone in a minute. It's because he wanted to skip ahead and be king, even though God still wanted him just to be on the run. And we see what David actually does. He spares his life in 1 Samuel 24. 10 through 12. Um, Behold this day your eyes have seen. This is uh, David talking to Saul. Behold your, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See my father, see the corner of your robe. So David, instead of killing him, actually sneaks up behind him and cuts off part of his robe to prove that he could have killed him. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you. Though you hunt my life, you take it. 
May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. Now, isn't that a king you would want to follow? A king of character and virtue? A king who really does what God wants in all circumstances? I would want to follow that king. You see, as we know, David eventually does become king. But because this whole time when he is not king, he is asking the question, what, do I, what needs to be done? How do I do it well? How do I do this in a way that is really going to serve Christ, serve God, obey God? David is a really good king, a really good king of great character. Now, his path to get there was not straight by any means. I mean, it kind of goes up and down and all, all around. But he continually chose to serve God with his choices. And at the end, his character is outstanding. You see, David took advantage of his hidden years. Now, when we say hidden years, what I'm talking about is there were so many years before David was king, when he was out on the fields watching some sheep, when he was hiding in caves, when he was leading armies, doing all these things that, you know, maybe on the outside we can think they didn't really matter. But they did matter. Because God used those days, God used those years where David was not in the spotlight to train him, to teach him some things. Now, God is going to do the same to you. I mean, you're still in college. I'm still a few years out of my career. I'm not doing anything that important yet. There's still many, many hidden years ahead for all of us. You know, are you going to be looking to learn? Or are you going to miss stuff because it doesn't matter? We can just cut corners. It's not going to be a big deal. So I think we're tempted when we think about work and we think about our career to just envision the end. This is where I want to get to, and this is what I want, and everything else, eh, it, as long as I get there, that's fine. And, and in a lot of ways, we're like Simba from The Lion King. Oh, I just can't wait to be king. Like, now, Simba messed a lot of stuff up doing that. You know, so instead, we have to be like David. Instead of being, oh, I can't wait to get out of school. Like, as long as I get out, it's just not going to matter. Oh, I can't wait till I get out of my first entry-level job. Then, then I'll start taking things seriously. No. God has stuff for you right now. And no matter what job you're in, even if it seems so unimportant to you, it matters to God. And God is trying to build something in you right now. Now, this isn't something that you get to the end of. You finally reach the, the kingship, and you don't have to ask this question anymore. Um, quite the opposite. You know, no matter what job you get, high or low, you always need to ask these questions. And David learns that the hard way. Because for those of you who know the story of David's life, while the first half is pretty good, later it goes really bad. Take a look at 2 Samuel 11. Uh, this is how it starts, the first verse. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. What needed to be done? Well, there's a war to fight. How do you do it well? Well, kings are supposed to be out at battle. But what is David doing? It doesn't matter. I'll stay at home. After this, David sees a woman bathing on a roof, impregnates her, um, ultimately tries to cover up by committing murder, and all these things start falling apart for David. It mattered. It mattered a lot. It really messed him up because he wasn't asking the right questions in the job that he had. And now you're thinking, well, this is an extreme example. This, this is not going to happen to me. But it could, because it happened to me. 
So I had a job before my job at the USC Shoah Foundation. I worked in an engineering lab. It was a great job. We had this giant air cannon, and it would shoot these pellets that are about the size of a Coke can into these plastics. They would explode. We would film it. It was great. The perfect job for me. You know, <laughs> after a long day of school, just blow some stuff up. Um, and I worked there for about two and a half years, and for the first two years, I really asked the right questions. What needs to be done? How can I do it well? And by the end of those two years, I was the senior person in the lab. I was doing all this great stuff. Then the, the, the next year came, and you know, I started thinking, does it really matter? Um, started making some excuses like, well, I'm really busy with challenge, and that's really serving God. Challenge is the most important thing. Um, so my job doesn't really matter. Um, you know, oh, well, I'm the senior person here. Like, this person under me can do that. Um, and just started, started really small. And over time, just kind of did less and less, was not to the level where I was. And after the semester, the professor calls me into the office and says, we're not going to have you back next semester. And, and the thing that really stuck out to me, what she said is, you know, last, last year you were here. Now you're kind of here. And we just can't af afford that in the lab, so we're going to go with someone else. The very person who I said, oh, they could do it because they're a little <laughs> junior in the lab. Now, can you imagine how humiliating that was? How shocking, how sudden. I didn't see it coming, but I should have. And looking back, I was like, dang, you know, that, that was really the right decision because it didn't matter to me. I wasn't working to serve God. I wasn't honoring Christ with my work. Um, I kind of tricked myself into thinking I was by doing more spiritual things, but God really cared about my work too, and I didn't do it well. You know, are you setting yourself up to blow it? It's very sudden when it happens, but it, it will happen if you're not careful. If it happened to David, the king of Israel, can happen to us. So if you want to see the good outcomes and not the bad, what are some things you can do? Well, I think every work situation is going to be different, but, you know, scripture has some things that are always going to be part of the answer of what needs to be done. So first, what needs to be done at all times? Serve. When you go into a situation at work, your goal really needs to be to serve the people around you. Take a look at Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, some of you know this. It's really easy when you get in, uh, to work in the uh, beginning of the day to think of all the stuff you have to do, and everyone else is just a project. Everyone else is just, oh, I need this person for this. I need this person for this. Um, but Philippians says, you know, instead of looking only to your own interests, look to the interests of others. When you go into a work situation, your goal needs to be, how can I make the people around me successful? And that's really going to build some character into you. That's going to give you the heart of a servant. That's really going to give you some influence with the people around you. Now, how do you be a servant well? Well, I think a great principle to look at is Matthew 541. I have this taped to my desk, and I try to do it as much as I can. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, this is Jesus speaking, and he's referring to a law in ancient Rome uh, that said at any time a Roman soldier could make any citizen carry his armor with him uh, for a mile. So if you're a Roman soldier and you see someone like, hey, carry my stuff for a mile, and you had to do it, there's a law. Now, Jesus says, if someone asks you to go one, go two. Why? That's not the law. Well, because you really want to develop a servant's heart. So go to. So you know that's something I try to do at work. Um, it's really hard. 
<laughs> it's not easy, especially when you're really busy. But, you know, that's what David did. You know, David made Saul a success, the man who's trying to kill him. Killed Goliath for him, led his armies, spared him in the cave. David was a real servant, and that really paid off when he was king. So when you go into work, start thinking less of yourself and think how to serve. You know, your stuff will get done. Stay late. It'll get done. But think how you can serve. What needs to be done? The second thing, follow well. One of the big things at work is following leadership. You're going to have a boss. And no matter how high you get in a company, you're always going to have a boss. And even if you're at the very, very top, you're always going to have God as your boss. So there's no way to escape it. You're going to have a boss. So just get ready for that. <laughs> you have a boss right now at school, your professors, um, and maybe your parents. Um, so <laughs> depending on your situation. Um, so follow well. How do you do that? Ephesians 6, 5 through 6 gives us some clues to that. Bond servants or employees, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So again, this hits on what we heard in uh, Colossians 3. You know, you're not a people pleaser. You're not there just to look really impressive when the boss is around, then quickly switch over to YouTube. If you practice, you can get really good at switching from your email back, but God sees that. <laughs> Sounds like I've had practice, huh? Um, God sees that. You know, you're a bond servant of Christ. You're a servant of Christ. God sees that. I start work at 7 a.m., and my boss doesn't get in until 9. I could do whatever I want for two hours. I really could, and no one would know. I'm a bond servant of Christ. So I need to follow God well. And not only that, I have to follow my boss well. Now, it doesn't mean you can't disagree. If you have a disagreement, you know, you can respectfully say that. But if they say, no, we're going to do it this way, you just say, okay, you're my boss. Even if you don't agree still, you still do it. Because that's what a servant does, or that's what a good uh, follower does. So how can you do that really well? What is, what is a good picture to have? Well, I think we see that in the story of Joseph um, in Genesis 39, chapter, uh, verse 6. And this is referring to Joseph. Uh, and when it says, so he, it's referring to Joseph as Joseph's boss, Potiphar. It says, so Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. This is the other verse I have on my computer. Um, you see, Joseph was an employee that was so responsible, so reliable, such a good follower that his boss didn't worry about anything. Joseph's got it. We're good. That's the kind of employee you want to be. Because think about it. When you're a boss, isn't that the kind of employee you want working for you? So why aren't you that kind of employee right now? And I think one more thing um, that's helpful to think through when what needs to be done at all times, have a good attitude when you're at work. Oh, it is so easy to start complaining because everyone else is complaining. It's so, believe me, it's so easy. You get around the water cooler, you go into the lunchroom, and someone's saying, oh, so-and-so made me do this. Ah, oh, our bosses are dumb. That happens all the time. And you, not only that, it's really easy to take your work for granted. You know, it's easy to start becoming really entitled when you start to work. Um, now, when I started work, uh, the first Christmas, we had, I got a Christmas bonus. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Never actually had a job outside of college before. This is the greatest thing ever. Um, and I took it to my dad, and I was like, look how much it is. He's like, I've never gotten a Christmas bonus this big. So I was like, well, this is very good. Um, and then next year comes around, and I've already labeled that um, in my budget before I've even gotten it. See, I was taking it for granted. Ah, I got this. You know, really, if you don't have a good attitude, that's going to start rubbing off on the people around you, and 
that's not someone you want to work with, someone who's always complaining, someone who's always like, I don't need to do this, I'm above this. Look at Philippians 2.14. What needs to be done? Do all things without grumbling and disputing. It's kind of a challenging thing. Never grumble, never dispute, but that's what God wants. How do you do this well? Well, I think that's in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Do you have a job you love? If you have a job you hate, you get a big Christmas bonus, you get a pay cut. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, I try to make it a habit personally of praying every single day in the morning, thank you, God, that I have a job. Thank you that I get to work. Because not everyone gets to work. You know, even if you don't have a job and you're a student, thank you, God, that I get to go to school and learn. Thank you, God, that I get to delete this little green dot every day so I can actually pay for my school. Thank you, God. And really, that's going to start building up some thankfulness in you, some gratitude towards God. That's really going to rub off on your character. That's a really good thing. So these, these three things, I think, always need to be done. You can always do them, and you'll start to see God will start to build some things in your life at work. It's not easy to do these things. You have to work at it, work at it, work at it. But I really encourage that you do, because it really does matter. Now, tonight I want to end by pushing this a little deeper. You know, we've seen tonight through Colossians 3 that any sort of work you do, it matters because you're serving Christ. But there's more to it than even that. You see, just as God really cares about the way you work, God also really cares for the people you work with. You know, you're not going to be in any job by accident. You're not in a class by accident. The person sitting next to you, they're not there by accident. Look at Acts 17, 26 to 27, and we can see why these people are there. And he, being God, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. You see, we're at our jobs that God has determined in all his wisdom and all his strength and power to seek God and to help other people seek God. Because we might be sitting next to someone who would never open a Bible, never heard of King David, doesn't know who Jesus is, doesn't care. People who would never go into a church. But guess who they're going to see every single day? They're going to see you. They're going to see how you approach your work. I mean, are you going to be the kind of employee who just says, it doesn't matter? Are you going to be the kind of employee who works in such a way that they can see God's character start to grow in you? that they can see it really matters to him or her because they're serving Christ. Now, I didn't realize how powerful this idea was until my senior year of college and the banana tree. Now, what is the banana tree, you may ask? Now, this is a story that is very deep in challenge lore. Uh, it's a great story. So when I was a senior, um, Neil remembers this story. When I was a senior, uh, Neil gathered some of the guys in challenge. <laughs> Neil gathers some of the guys in challenge, and we're like, we're going to do a men's advance. We're going to get the guys together, and uh, we're going to go to this uh, older couple in the church, the Orals. We're going to go and just help them for a day. It was on a Saturday. We didn't have to go. It was all volunteer work. We were not getting paid uh, on a Saturday, but we decided to go. Um, And we get there, and Neil's like, okay, we're going to do a couple tasks. First, we're going to go into the backyard, and they have this banana tree. Um, and we have to pull it out, and we're going to remove it because it's just it's dying, it's getting in the way. And then we'll do some tasks inside. 
Doesn't seem too hard. Again, we're helping, helping a couple who cannot tear this tree down. Um, so let's do it. So this is what I was picturing when I thought banana tree. Seems like a couple good axe swings would take that down. Won't be too hard. This is what we saw. <laughs> now I'll be honest, this may be an exaggeration. <laughs> Google was a little limited on its pictures. But we had machetes, and we were hacking at that tree, and it was not going down. And we were working for hours. We were jumping down, pulling down branches because it was so tall. You know, at one point I swung my machete and I hit a branch and it kind of like splintered and all the shrapnel came and like went down my throat and I started choking so the tree was fighting back and <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I hate bananas now. I, I had one this morning not because I like them but for revenge. Um, but so we're tearing down this tree and it is hard, menial work. We're not getting anything out of this. Again, no paycheck, nothing. Um, you know, people are starting to drop off, like, I'm going to go get water, and then, <laughs> where did he go? But things started happening. We started encouraging each other, like, come on, let's keep doing this. Why are we doing this? Well, we're really doing this to, to serve the orals. Why are we doing this? Come on, we're really working for God here. You know, like, ah, like, close enough. No, no, come on, let's keep going, let's keep going. I see Neil, and Neil's, like, in the thick of things, just chopping stuff down. I'm like, man, if Neil can do this, I can do this. <laughs> A bunch of young college men should be able to keep pace. So we're tearing down this tree, tearing down this tree, uh, digging out the roots. And you know, we really served that day. We really followed well, and we did it with the best attitude we could. It was not perfect, but we tri really tried our best. We saw what needed to be done. That tree needed to be out of that backyard. You know, we need it. We did it to the best of our ability. And after about, I don't know, seemed like forever, uh, probably a long time, the tree was gone. We dug out all the roots, it was in the trash can, we were victorious. And Neil said, let's go inside for part two. <laughs> and so we did that, and a few hours later, we were done. Now here's a picture of that squad. It's kind of hard to see, can we turn off the lights? Some of you recognize these people, some of you don't. We're gonna point, <laughs> I'm gonna point out some highlights. Kevin, Kevin looking like he, he has seen some things he never wants to see again. <laughs> Here's Richard looking really angry. <laughs> Remington's up there. Remington with a beard, me without a beard. Um, but there's the crew. Those are the guys. It's a real, I, I love this picture. <laughs> it's so funny. You could see how excited we were. Um, now, there's something about this picture that you probably don't know. Five of the people in this picture, when this was taken, were not Christian. Five. In the back here, this is Chris. He was a Christian. He's on staff. But these five in front, they're not Christian when this photo was taken. But guess what? They're Christian now. All, every single one of them. And I've talked to at least two. And two of them have said this event had a direct impact on them becoming Christian. And I'm sure the other three would say the same. You know, they've, all, they've said that in seeing how we worked and how we encouraged each other and how we served and how we followed and how we had the best attitudes that we could, how we really saw what needed to be done and did it in such a way that we served Christ. They really saw what God was like. Now, I'm going to be honest, I've never put banana tree trimmer on a resume. Um, when they ask me in job interviews, what's your strength, I don't say uprooting trees. Like that, it doesn't come up. Um, 
And it would be so easy to say, it really didn't matter how we did that. But for those five, it mattered a lot. It mattered a lot. And their whole lives are changed now. Because it's something as simple as just working hard, seeing what needs to be done, and doing it well. Doing it with the knowledge that you are serving Christ. So think about the people at your job. Think about the people in your classes. You know, what do you think God could do through you if you started approaching your work this way? I think he could do a lot. So why don't you just do it and see? You know, it may be stuff that never shows up on a resume, never comes into a job interview, but it's something that God is going to use to start building your character, something that God is going to use to start building your skills, and really something that's going to show your faithfulness, and something that could, if God decides to use it and you really do it well, that could echo for all eternity in someone's life and really, really matter. So just go ahead and ask yourselves, whenever you go into work, what needs to be done? How can I do it well? And really serve Christ like that. Sound good? Let's pray. God, thank you um, that we get a chance to work um, in the various things that you've given us. Um, thank you that work is not punishment, it's actually really good. And God, I pray that as we go into our different jobs now and when we start our careers and for our whole lives, that we would really be looking not to work for ourselves, not to just work to earn some money, but really work to glorify you, really work to serve Christ God. And not only that, I pray that we would work in such a way that we start to develop the character of your son. And God, please, by your power and your grace, allow other people to see that and allow other people to really know that it's not about us, it's about you, and our work really matters. So thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. And, you know, really thank you for, for all you do for us. Um, we love you, God, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.